Okay, let's try this again. Hattie, you have anything to say? Uh-huh. Well, Mommy is a health teacher. Of course you knew that because she's been on all her co- podcasts with you, and now she's going to do another podcast. Woohoo! <laughs> okay, we got a new mic. I had to test, test, one, two, one, two. Um, the audio has been funky at best for the past couple of months, so hopefully this new situation works out a little bit better. I am recording this upstairs in my new office with Hattie downstairs watching If You Give a Mouse a Cookie, so I might or might not be interrupted 400 times throughout the length of the show. Who's to say? It is the holiday season, though, and schedules are wonky at best. And things were a little hectic, so we're just rolling with it. The whole discussion today is going to be about holidays and how to thrive through the holidays and um, some specific topics that I'll announce in a second. But before we get there, I wanted to first thank you guys. So we're closing out 2019. This is the last podcast episode of 2019. And when I first started the show um, a little over two years ago, I had read a stat um, when I was researching podcasts. I didn't just like pick up a mic and be like, yo, Um, I I looked into podcasting and researched it pretty well. And there was a a stat that really baffled me. And I don't remember specifically what it was, but it was something like this, like 85% of podcasters never make it past the fifth episode, something like that, like really alarming. And after starting the podcast, I was like, oh, I get it because it's just so much work, right? You guys know that. Um, So when I decided to start a podcast, I wanted to be like in it to win it. Like I didn't want to half-ass it. I wanted to really come correct. I wanted to do my best and provide as much free content as I possibly could. But that was only one half of the battle. The other part was having an engaging audience who actually cared about what I was saying and continue to tune in week after week. Um, Because without you guys, that's exactly what you guys are doing. Without that, I'm just like the kid on um, Wet Hot American Summer not showering and talking into a mic that's not plugged in. It's kind of sad, right? So thank you for being here. Thank you for continuing to come back. You guys are the absolute best. I'm just, I continue to love this project. Um, I love connecting with you guys through this. I love providing the content. You guys know I love to research, so I'm just super, super stoked to, to have somebody that wants to hear what I have to say. A lot of you guys have been reaching out on social media to, um, thank me for the time that goes into this show. And to be honest, that makes my heart swell up like the Grinches. Um, so it's awesome. I appreciate it. Love you guys. Thank you for being here. I'm going to keep coming through with more and more content into the new year. So yay for that. Um, my, oh, one other thing. I am going to do a push in 2020 to try to expand the audience um, because I really do feel like this is valuable content and I really want more people to be able to have access to it, to listen to it. Um, So I don't totally know what that looks like. I'm not really uh, a podcast marketing whiz. Uh, If you have great ideas, feel free to email me. Um, But one thing that I do know to be true is that the more people who leave reviews and subscribe, the the more people can find the show. So I would 
I'm always, always grateful for your willingness to share this with your friends, share this with your family members, share this on social media, and then continue to leave reviews. That is just the best of the best. So, I mean, I have um, thousands of listeners that kind of fluctuates week to week. Um, but I think I have like a hundred podcast reviews, which is still pretty great, but I think we could get more. Um, and I'm even going to do a giveaway on social media coming up soon. So be on the lookout for that. I just want to thank you guys for supporting me as much as you can. All right. So for this episode, I was going to continue on with part two of my last solo episode where I talked about the microbiome. If you haven't listened to that one, go back and listen. Um, That way you'll be nice and primed and ready when I release my next episode, which is why you need to stop self-treating your gut. It's going to be a doozy. I'm going to talk about a lot of stuff, um, but also give you actionable steps. I don't want to just, it just to be an episode of like, don't do any of these things. I also want to provide really clear, powerful steps. If you are having digestive issues, like where to start. Um, And I'm also going to announce some major changes to my business for 2020, like I I basically just like tore it down to the studs and and rebuilt it um, over the past four days. (laughs) Like there's been some crazy energy going on and I am just, I just had to go for it. So I'm excited to announce that. That won't be aired until January 2nd. I'm not going to release a new episode next week just because of the holidays. At Thanksgiving, I polled you guys on on Instagram and half of you said, you know what, I just don't even have time to listen to an episode because I'm going to be so busy with travel and holidays and all that kind of stuff. So I'm going to... Um I'm not going to air an episode next Thursday. It's the day after Christmas, um, but I will air January 2nd. So tune in for that. But today I was actually really called to do a completely different topic. It's a little bit of a compilation episode. I'm going to share some new research um, that I wanted to share about cold and flu prevention, some, some new things that I learned that I'd love to pass on to you guys, and some really great things that I've seen on Instagram that I found to be super helpful. So also wanted to pass that along to you. I'm going to talk about staying healthy through travel. So whether you're doing holiday travel or you're listening to this at another time of the year, staying healthy through travel and also setting healthy holiday boundaries. Um, This can be such a big one. I know that not everyone loves this time of year. Um, I am the type of person who really does think this is the most wonderful time of the year, but I also tend to feel really stressed and overwhelmed. Um, My health anxiety always flares at this time. I'm always just like, extra anxious about stuff, which I know is um, a manifestation of my stress. And I'm also an introvert, so I need solitude in order to recharge and take care of myself. And that can be really hard to come by when you're surrounded by people all the time, such as the case with the holidays. Um, I mean, even, you know, for example, my babysitter goes to UNH and she went home for the holiday. So I'm down a babysitter. So I'm with the kiddo more, you know, there's just, there's just people around all the time. And I know you guys can can understand that. As a reminder, we do have two other episodes. Episode eight was called Thriving Through the Holidays and episode 40 was called Conscious Holidays. And Kyle and I talked more about this topic, how we, uh, so Kyle, if you're new here, Kyle's my former co-host, one of my best friends. And um, she's also a registered dietitian. And we talked about just staying healthy and sane through the holidays. And we also talked about gift giving. So the conscious holidays is more of like a gift giving guide. So check that out. Those are still good and relevant. Um, 
quick announcements about the carb compatibility project. The next one starts January 6th. So you can sign up for that anytime. Now, after Thanksgiving, I mentioned that um, I will really was kind of like not stoked on Instagram. Like I, I felt the need to lay low and not be on Instagram. Every time I opened up my app, I'd be like, ugh, I just get that, you know, that like sense of dread. Um, and I think part of it felt so exhausting because it was like, there's a war going on outside, no man is safe from. Little mob deep action for you all. But it was like one side was still like throwing out that diet culture rhetoric of like how to eat to maintain your figure during the holidays like really really that's still going on in 2019 really um and then on the other side because I follow a lot of Hayes uh, health at every size and intuitive eating accounts I was getting a lot of like turkey trots or toxic fitness culture or talking about health or fitness or movement at this time just promote shame and I was like geez it was it was a tough place to be for a while there um and I I just feel like I'm you know per usual just existing in the gray area and I'm I'm saying this I did an Instagram post about it but I'm echoing it here because we're coming up on another major holiday for those people who do celebrate Christmas um, there's other holidays at this time, right? But the time of year kind of hits us over the head, regardless of what we celebrate or don't celebrate. Um, and the way that I look at it is I've created space in myself and in my life to like absolutely while out with holiday festivities. That's food, that's, you know, maybe some extra festive cocktails. And I enjoy every second of it without even so much as an inkling of a shame spiral like I eat the food and I do the things and I'm not like oh this feels bad right also remember that I've spent the past decade working the morality out of food for myself and it's I'm proud to say that it actually shows and also so that's one truth and another truth happening at the very same time is that I have tools and I need those tools to bring me back to my food normalcy because after a few days of holiday eating, my joints get a little swollen, my poops get a little weird, my tummy starts to hurt, I start to feel lethargic, right? I'm just not functioning at my personal best. And I do think that food tends to shoulder most of the blame here. But it's not all food's fault because it, it also has to do with the hours of travel, the nights of maybe sleeping in somebody else's bed or having a house full of guests that you wouldn't normally have or the cocktails, right? Or the late nights, right? We're off our routine during this time. And for a lot of us, our bodies crave routine. Our bodies like to know what to expect. I think I mentioned this um, on the microbiome episode of how our microbiome works um, on a schedule, like everything else in our body, right? So if that schedule gets thrown off, everything's going to feel a little wacky, a little bit weird. So I have to have ways to, to support myself in feeling my best. And that looks like returning to routine, sleep, movement, sweat, hydration, and yeah, food, food routine, right? Usually for me, it's like protein, veggies. It's a lot of, you know, a lot of the basic stuff that I talk about all the time. And this is, to me, this is what self-care looks like. So I say that to 
if anybody's feeling weird about the fact that they like want to do a food program or want to do an exercise program or want to do something after the holidays to reset, like that's okay, man. Like it's cool. There's nothing wrong with you. You know, it doesn't mean you're like steeping in the diet culture stew. You, you know, you know you best practice some radical self-honesty, ask yourself like, am I doing this from a loving place or am I doing this from a place of lack where I have to try to be somebody that I'm not in order to achieve some sense of self-worth? Like do those, do, you know, do that for yourself. But at the end of the day, some people just might need to get back to routine after not having routine. And I want to like normalize that a little bit, especially if you feel like you're in the midst of the Instagram fitness and food wars, right? Um, and I, I, as a, as a practitioner, I, I, I freak out a little bit when I start talking about the carb compatibility project after the holidays, cause I, I, I run it in January. Right. And I always question like, is this poor form? Am I perpetuating diet, toxic diet culture? Am I joining the Instagram, you know, wars? Um, and where I've settled is that I don't think so. I certainly hope not. Um, but I, I want to make some space for the gray area too, because it doesn't have to be black and white. And in fact, it's not black and white. Um, and just to be clear, this program isn't about repenting your food sins, right? Like, oh, I, I was bad over the holidays and now I have to be good. It's not, that's not what it's about. It's really more about learning how to feed yourself right, learning how to reduce your stress, taking the morality out of eating, um, starting to improve your own internal dialogue, your own internal, your self-talk, so you don't have a meltdown, right? Every time you get confronted with a holiday season or something else. It's a, it's a vibe. It's a whole vibe. So anyway, would love to have you join us for January. And even if you don't, I wanted to just throw that out there. Like you do you, you take care of you, however that looks. Speaking of which, let's talk about setting holiday boundaries. Ooh, ooh. You know, I love to talk about boundaries. Um, <clears throat> I will say, I feel like I'm kind of like Wonder Woman with the shield. Uh, wait, does she have a shield? Or like those things on her wrist, right? Like... <laughs> like blocking people on, on Instagram and like setting boundaries and doing it publicly. And I'm like, yes, I can do this. I can do this. It's a lot harder to do with the people that are closest to you and the people that you love the most. Okay. So I'm going to throw that out there. I'm not going to try to front like it's super easy. It's hard. So if, if it comes to setting boundaries with your family, yeah, that's going to be hard. Right. And I want to remind you that it is your job to set the boundary, but it is not your job to micromanage other people's reactions to your boundary. Your responsibility is to understand your needs and then communicate those needs. Sometimes that doesn't go well, right? Sometimes people don't respect your boundaries. That's not for you to deal with. That's not your responsibility. And you have to be okay with the fact that some people might not respond well. Your responsibility is you identifying your needs and communicating them. Okay. Um, so I had mentioned at the start of this, that there were some really great things on Instagram for all the, the weird stuff. There's some really great stuff too. One account that I follow is the holistic psychologist. Kyle made me do it because I don't have my own therapist. I've been saying for two years that I'm going to get one, still haven't. Um, she's like, if you're not going to be in therapy at the very least, can you follow this account? So I started following this account and she's great. And she did a whole post on setting boundaries for the holidays. So I'm going to riff a little bit on that because I thought it was so great. 
and um, talk about some of the ways that I've implemented them. Because again, um, as I say all the time, I think we learn best from like actual stories, you know, like how did you do this? Teach me how to do this or show me how you did this. So then I learned that I can do this for myself. But one thing she said was um, space boundaries. So she kind of broke them up into different categories. And one was space boundaries. And she has a quote, like a thing to say for each category. And the thing was, I'm going to head upstairs and get some quiet time. That is something that you can say out loud to people in order to protect your space boundaries. This was a big one for me. This one really, um, really was like, yeah. Um, every time I go away with a group of people, I learn something new about myself. Um, and it took me a very long time to realize this, but I am an introvert, like I said. So I, that means I need alone time to recharge. And um, I can also tend to be a homebody if I don't have somebody, like usually my husband, encouraging me toward adventure. Um, and I need to know what to expect in order to feel calm. So these are all little things that I've gleaned from previous trips. And um, uh, it, it really starts to paint a picture um, that traveling makes me feel super anxious because when you're away from home, especially when you're with a large group of people, there's very little alone time. You're totally out of your comfort zone and there's hardly any predictability. So I get super anxious, even if it's something that I'm wicked excited about, even if it's, um, you know, I'm surrounded by people that I love and that I, I want to spend time with, even if it's a situation that I've opted into willingly, I still get anxious about it. And this is exactly why. So a couple of summers ago, we did a family trip. We went up to Acadia. We did Bar Harbor. We were up um, in the Mount Katahdin area. It was a week of just being away. And what I realized here was this is like the really the trip that solidified it for me. Like, oh, I need alone time. Oh, my God. And another thing that I learned is that exercise resets me. So my, it not only decreases my anxiety, but it, it just improves my mood and it helps me feel more like me. So I, if I can, if I can sneak away for a little bit and just like get in a run or a walk or a yoga class or something, I am like a brand new person and I'm just better to be around and then I feel better. Right. And I'm enjoying myself more. And I'm just like a little bit like, I don't know, looser, maybe more flexible. I don't know. Um, and I do, like I was mentioning before, I do plenty of eating, drinking, relaxing, being merry on vacation and during the holidays. It's not the exercise piece isn't about earning my food or burning off calories or anything like that. Movement for me really transcends physical appearance and fitness. I need exercise in order to show up in the world as my best self. And I think a lot of you guys feel the same way. And this oftentimes gets put on the back burner during times of travel or during holiday times or during busy times because we kind of tell ourselves, well, I shouldn't do that. I'm too busy for this. Um, can I have one more chocolate bar? Just one more. Thing. Yeah, but then you can't come upstairs anymore because I'm recording a podcast. Okay, deal? Drink your water. Drink all that water. I love you. I love you. Okay. I may or may not edit that out. <laughs> okay. She's still whispering to me from the doorway. Okay. So the way, um, all right. So anyway, we, we kind of convince ourselves when things get 
when things get hectic or when people are relying on us a lot more that like, oh, well, I shouldn't take the time to do the things that I need to do to take care of myself, right? We convince ourselves that. As I'm saying this and as you're listening to this, it's probably easy to be like, well, that's stupid, right? That doesn't make any sense. And like, as I'm saying it out loud, I'm thinking the same thing, but but the reality of it is that that's actually how we we act. And um, the way that I see it is like, we can spend that time, we can spend an hour or even two getting our mind right so we can be a better person to everyone around us, or we can feed ourselves a bunch of reasons of why we shouldn't do it, right? Those le- re- reasons are endless. We can. There's an endless well of reasons of why we shouldn't take care of ourselves, and then we feel like kind of a shitbag human for the rest of the day, right? So once I understood this about myself and and didn't judge myself for being this way because sometimes I still do I'm like why can't I just go with the flow more why am I so rigid why do I need all this alone time why 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 I definitely go into that self-flagellation mode no doubt but if I can just do this without judging myself and also convey my needs to other people things feel so much better so much easier and so much more enjoyable and so I'm passing that like self-realization on to you guys in hopes that you could figure out, you know, if your bag is an exercise, if it's something else, like figure out what that thing is that you need and like take that. Um, and, and then try to set the expectation right out of the gate, right? Let people know how you are. Um, I'm really lucky that my family gets me, my in-laws, I've been with that family for almost, you know, almost 10 years. I think I've been with my husband. So like they get me. So they're really just willing to be like, hey, that's Erin. That's her vibe, right? And like, that's what she needs. And it's the best feeling in the world when you like show up as your most true self. Like, hey, this is who I am and this is what I need. And the people that love you respect that. It is the best feeling in the world, right? Um, One thing, so uh, so ways, specific ways to work, um, work this into rotation or make sure if you're traveling or even if you're home with people here or you're just running and gunning. Um, one thing that my my sister-in-law did, so the past two years we went down to Maryland for, um, for Thanksgiving and stayed with my sister-in-law and her family. And the first year she got um, Scott and I a guest pass for her gym, which is like so kind and considerate and awesome because she knows that like we like to like we like to get movement in. We like to exercise. She knows that I need my alone time for a little bit during the day. Um, and then la- this year, this most recent time, there's a big trail, like a walking or running trail by her house. And she kind of like mapped it out and um, was right from the get-go was like, hey, here's the trail. Like, this is what you can do every day. You know, she just like kind of handed it to me and I didn't even have to say anything. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just the best feeling. And then my mom, when we went down to visit her in Florida last year, she also got me a guest pass at the gym. So if you're staying with somebody, if you're staying with family or friends, that's an awesome option is to do a guest pass at a gym. Another thing is that I always bring, no matter where I'm going, I bring my sneakers and I bring my yoga mat. Um, because you can walk literally anywhere, right? You can just put your lace up and like go for a walk in a neighborhood or, you know, it doesn't have to be Acadia National National Park. You can just lace up anywhere. Um, you can seek out local yoga studios. So I've certainly gone to yoga studios while I was traveling, Pilates, bar, whatever your bag is, right? You can find a place to go. Um, I have a yoga glow membership. I've had it on and off for like eight years. It works really well. I always reactivate it during the holidays because I know that, um, 
things are just, you know, like I was saying earlier, schedules are just bonkers. Um, I, and if you're traveling and staying at a hotel, I, you know, you could always go out of your way to make sure that the hotel has a gym there, which is another great option. Uh, Melissa Urban from Whole30 did a whole Instagram post called Holiday Tips for Introverts that I thought was really awesome. And something she said, and she's one that makes no, um, makes no excuses for her morning routine and her her need for exercise, for her mental health, for her physical health, all of it. And I really respect that. But one thing she said was preview to others that you'll be maintaining your morning routine so you can start your day feeling centered and grounded. That way, there are no surprises when you leave everyone at home to hit the gym or go for a walk or place a please do, please do not disturb note on your door so you can journal and meditate in peace. And I love that idea of just like letting everybody know ahead of time, like, hey, you know, you got like, let's say you have a household of people or you're going to be somewhere else like here. Here's the deal. Here's the rundown. I'm going to check out for an hour. And that's what's up. Um, and that's one way to set your boundary. I also because I need alone time. And so like, you know, if I have to just kind of like separate myself for like 30 to 60 minutes to recharge, I always have books. I'll bring guided meditations like I'll make sure I have them downloaded on my phone ahead of time. Um, I'll put myself early to bed before everyone else. So I do not feel the need to stay up with everybody just to like show face. Um, I'm really strict, I guess, for lack of a better term about my nighttime routine and making sure I get ample sleep because if I don't, I feel like crap and I'm a nightmare and I don't, you know, it's just not enjoyable for me. So I really keep, um, keep a bedtime routine as much as I can, I'm definitely up later or whatever, but, um, as much as I can. And I always travel with melatonin because I know that travel affects my sleep and being out of my own bed affects my sleep. So that's something that I love to do is bring melatonin. Um, so you can consider that. And then if we are hosting, I try to give everyone the same space that I would need. Um, and like let them go out and do their own thing and not feel like they have to just stick around me. Okay, the next category was topic boundaries. Um, and I won't go into too much detail here, but it's pretty self-explanatory. Let's not discuss this topic at tonight's dinner. That's a good one. Uh, time boundaries. We won't be able to stay the night, but we're really looking forward to dinner. I know some family dynamics are, um, I don't, how do I put this in a nice way? Um, you give them an inch, they'll take a mile type of vibe where like, okay, we're going to show up. And then it's like, well, oh, you're just coming for the night. You're not going to spend the whole weekend or we're going to come for a meal. Oh, that's all you can stay. You know, there's like a lot of like guilt that's put on us during this time. And it almost always comes from a good place, at least in my experience. Um, people just want to see you, you know, like that's, that's great. People want you around. That's wonderful. But it also, you know, when you have 12 different places to be, you have to uh, draw some lines and draw some time boundaries, and that is okay. And then this is a good one, consumption boundaries. I am not eating XYZ right now, but I appreciate you taking the time to ask for it. Um, so this, I think, comes up a lot, and I, I've talked about this a bunch on the show, so we'll, I'll revisit visit it again here. Like, let's say you're going gluten-free 
for whatever reason you choose. I was gonna say for health reasons, but then I'm like, nah, whatever. It's your body, it's your mouth, and it is your prerogative. Um, so let's say that you're abstaining from some type of food. I will admit that it is very harder when you make a drastic switch. I'm always very unapologetic. I don't eat this, I don't care if it hurts your feelings. And I, I mean, Obviously, that sounds pretty harsh, but that's kind of like where I come from. Like, why do you care what I eat? <laughs> but again, I'm also surrounded by people that are pretty understanding and awesome with me and my food. And I, I do see that it's harder when you make a pretty drastic or dramatic switch and it's kind of like out of left field and your family's like, wait, what? Or when, let's say, you're a parent and you're trying to like get your kids to clean up their diet and grandma's like, but wait, you always ate this way. I don't understand. You know, like that is definitely challenging. So one thing I would say to that is let people know ahead of time. So, you know, let's say your Aunt Susie always makes a special casserole because she knows that you love it and you're not going to eat it this year. Maybe let Aunt Susie know that ahead of time. Hey, Aunt Susie, I'm not doing this this year. I'm not eating this. So, you know save her some time. At least you, you save her the disappointment of you not eating your favorite casserole. But one thing that I really, really always, always practice, and you know, I've, I've eaten quote unquote differently for years, for like 20 years, like no joke. Um, I went vegetarian when I was 10. So that was different than what all of my family and friends were doing. So I got really used to bringing my own food. And it's not like I'm like bringing like a plastic Tupperware of like, you know, weird stuff. I'm making meals that I can share with everybody else, but I'm always making sure that I have something there that I can eat. So I'm not putting the responsibility on somebody else. Um, so for example, we're going to a holiday party this weekend and I'm going to make shepherd's pie and I'm going to bring a salad because there's hardly any veggies ever at any festivities and I need veggies, so I'm gonna have a salad. Everybody else there will eat the salad, right? I'm gonna make a homemade salad dressing, it's gonna be delicious. And then I'm gonna do a shepherd's pie so I have something substantial because, hey, I can't exist off of just salads, so I always want a substantial meal, like stick to my ribs meal. Um, so I'm gonna make, I have a shepherd's pie recipe on my website, I'm gonna make that exact one. The topping is, white potatoes and cauliflower and then I mix in a ton of veggies to the meat um and that's good and that's like a you know people will eat that and then I also think that it's a good excuse to make specialty foods that you love but don't make often so for example eggplant parm eggplant parm is so much work so I never make it just for like me, Scott, and Hattie, right? I never make it. I always wait for an event. So on Christmas Eve, we go to my cousin's house. I'm going to make an eggplant parm to bring. I can eat it. I love it. And everybody else loves it too. It's a kind of a funny thing. The eggplant parm that I make is gluten-free and dairy-free, obviously, so I can eat it. Um, so it's not really a parm at all. But my mom used to host, the, the night before Thanksgiving, she would host a... Italian dinner and it was like I mean we did this for so many years and we cooked so much and it was a huge 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 event and um, we would have she would make meatballs we would have chicken parm we would have eggplant parm and I would always make my own eggplant parm because obviously you know I wanted to be able to eat there and every single year my eggplant parm would be the first thing to go we're like what the heck 
Like this doesn't even have anything in it. Why is everyone eating this? So every year we would make, like we would double the recipe and make twice as much. We kept doing that. Like we kept having to double the recipe. Eventually we just stopped making chicken parm and only made made eggplant parm. But the way that I do it, for you guys who want to know, so I make my own sauce. It's my Nana's recipe. It's a family recipe. I've had my mom write it up a se- several times for the blog, but my mom writes recipes like I do, which is to say it's it's just a list of ingredients. So I'm like, I actually, I can't publish this um, on the blog unless we have like specific amounts. Um, so we make our own sauce, which is key. And then I slice up the eggplant really thin and then I sweat it out. So I salt it and let it sweat that takes some of the moisture out and takes some of the bitterness from the eggplant out. Um, so it's really time consuming to make this. This is why I do it now, like once a year. Um, and then I do an egg wash. So egg in water, I whisk it up and, um, I coat it in almond flour and I usually do some combination of almond flour and maybe like I don't know, arrowroot starch or tapioca flour. It's like some type of gluten-free flour. I don't use coconut because you don't want your eggplant parm to taste like coconut. Um, And then I'll throw a bunch of like different herbs, um, usually fresh parsley and into that to make it taste good. And then I bake them. So I bake like it's several um, pans of the eggplant and then I'll layer them with the sauce. And that's literally it. Um... So that is really good. It's paid. Okay, let's try this again. Hattie, you have anything to say? Uh-huh. Well, Mommy is a health teacher. Of course you knew that because she's been on all her co- podcasts with you, and now she's going to do another podcast. Woohoo! ...to make, but everybody loves it. I love it, and, you know, that's just something that, something to do. Um, and then we're hosting everybody at my house on Christmas day. And we're going to do a, um, like a chuck roast, which is pretty easy to do. We're going to grab it from Vernon family farm and then do a ton of root veggies and everybody else brings food, but that's going to be the main thing. Um, so it's food that's not like weird. It's not like I'm having people eat like, I don't know what's something weird, like tofurkey or something like that. Right. It's food that everybody eats. It's just also devoid of all the things that I don't. And that's how, you know, I I bring food and I share food. Um, I also have to shout out, I'm going to make this again. I made it for Thanksgiving and it was a huge hit. It was so good. Roasted roots, paleo pumpkin cheesecake. So Julia, um, is the food blogger. I've had her on the show before. She's awesome. Her recipes are my favorite. I made the paleo pumpkin cheesecake. First of all, it's no bake. So it's really easy to make and it's also vegan. So like everybody can eat it. Dairy-free, gluten-free, all the frees. Everybody can get in on that. Highly recommend making it. I'm going to be doing it again. Okay, so that's that. One of the ways to set food boundaries is by just bringing food that everybody can eat and then you don't have to like explain why you're not eating. Okay, now I'm going to like totally switch gears and talk about airplane travel This show is so all over the place, Um, but these are all things that I thought were like really cool and interesting, so hopefully you guys do too. Ben Lynch, he's the author of Dirty Jeans. He's also the founder of Seeking Health. He did a three-part post on airplane travel that I thought was really great because I learned some things that I didn't know. Um, I will say, 
disclaimer, keep in mind, Seeking Health is a supplement line and he does promote his own supplements. So it's not completely unbiased info, but I do respect his work. I also respect his philosophy. He's always promoting the basics like, you know, dr drink water and get outside, you know, the basics first. Um, and I love his line of products. I use them both personally and clinically. So I think he's good stuff. And just as like an aside, I also kind of feel that it's like a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation with consumers. Like somebody will be like, vitamin C is great. Here's why you should take it. And then people are like, well, what vitamin C should I take? Just tell me what to do. Um, so he swoops in and he's like, here's why vitamin C is so good. And also here's some really great options to take. And then people are like, you're just trying to push your supplements. <laughs> like, so it's just hard. It's hard out there for a pimp on Instagram. Um, but I do like him. So anyway, his posts were good. One thing, so the post said that airplanes um, expose you to chemical radiation via jet exhaust, um, also dehydration because of the elevation and the forced air. And then the crowds in airports and on planes can expose you to lots of viruses and bacteria, not to mention anxiety and stress. So let's look at the dehydration thing first. Your body loses water through respiration, so, bre so breathing, when you're at high altitudes, twice as fast as it does at sea level. Now, despite the fact that it is pressurized, like the cabin air is pressurized, it's still at an air pressure that is higher than sea level, so you will lose water quicker. And I mean, this isn't like a lot of us know we feel kind of junky after flying. One of the reasons, perhaps the primary reason is that dehydration factor. When I was thinking, when I was reading this, I started to think about myself and my, my behaviors around planes. And I'm definitely not drinking as much water because you can only carry on so much wa water onto the plane without being a complete nuisance, right? Like you're not like bringing a gallon of water with you. Um, and then if you are thirsty, they have those like little tiny mini cups. So you have like four sips and you're like, yeah, that, that was quenching. Um, and I don't really love to drink a lot of water on planes just because I don't want to get up and be peeing a hundred times because that's kind of a nuisance as well. Um, and then some of us will drink on the plane, like drink booze to calm down our anxiety. And I know that like, if I'm usually when I'm flying, I don't really fly much for work. So usually when I'm flying, it's vacation, it's holiday, it's like festivities. So Scott and I will go and like get some, like get a cocktail before our drink or like get some wine while we're waiting. Oh my God. I'm just thinking of this now when we were going to our, um, when was this? Oh, we were going to the Azores a couple of years ago and their flights are notoriously really unpredictable. So like they, their flights get delayed all the time. So we got to Boston and they're like, your flight's delayed like four hours, something crazy. So we're like, okay, so now we have four hours to kill in Logan. So we went to the legal seafoods and we were like, this is our first time away from Hattie. This is like our first vacation since our honeymoon. So we were in like party mode. We drank so much. Um, like I was, I, I started with red wine and then went to, uh, mojitos PS. That's not a good move. So we, <laughs> we were just like so hydrated. It took me literally three days to recover from that. Um, once we got to the Azores, I was like in bed for the first 24 hours, like do not even attempt to move me. Um, obviously that's more hangover than anything else, but hydration affects you like, whoa. Um, so if you're like me, you really, really, really want to ramp up your water intake and not just during the plane, like days before, like get yourself nice and hydrated and juicy. 
before, during, and after. Like once you touch down, don't just like fly into party mode, really drink lots and lots of water. Be sure that you're supplementing with electrolytes and trace minerals as well, because that's important for hydration. It's not just the water. And this is a, um, a good pro tip. You want to take sips rather than just pound water. So like taking a liter of water and pounding it down isn't as beneficial for hydration as like sipping that throughout the, like over an hour or something. It's, it's better for hydration that way. Um, and it's really just a general rule. I'm not just talking for, about plane travel. The faster you drink, the faster you increase blood volume. And then that's going to send a message to your kidneys to start filtering. So you'll actually lose water before it has a chance to dif uh, diffuse into the tissues. So make sure that you're drinking nice and slowly. Um, and then as far as the viruses and bacteria um, you like, there's no, like so many people get sick after travel and that's like no coincidence, right? You're just like packed in like sardines with lots of people. It's like why, you know, like whenever you're on the plane, there's always somebody with like some gross cough and you're like, cool. I'm just like breathing, like sucking in their air right now. That's awesome. They're exhaling like directly into your mouth. That's what I'm thinking about on a plane anyway. So it's always, always, always important to support your overall immune function. So making sure you're getting adequate sleep at least eight hours a night, getting daily sun exposure, definitely harder to do this time of, of year, but uh, if you live in the Northeast, like I do anyway, uh, but so, 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 so important, um, reducing your stress eating really well. So eating plenty of antioxidants, consuming little to no sugar or sweets. And as a reminder, all of these dietary tips are put into action with the carb compatibility project. So it's great for overall immune function. Um, you want to move your body, but you don't want to overtrain. So these are all like the basics. These are just the classics. They work the best. We should be doing them every day. And I will say that a common theme that keeps coming up for me in my practice is, is like people need to not get frustrated when they're not having success with high level interventions, right? Like supplements, biohacking, pro tips you read on blogs, whatever, if you're not doing the basics, right? You have to do the basics first. If that doesn't get you where you need to go, then layer on the other stuff. And this is why in your hormone revival, my hormone program, I spend a full month addressing the basics before we even start to discuss specialized protocols. It doesn't make sense to do those specialized protocols if you're not doing the basics. You gotta start with the old tried and true classics. Um, so if you're doing that and you wanna really ramp up your immune health, you could also do vitamin C, vitamin D, vitamin A, and probiotics. Now, as I discussed last week or two weeks ago, probiotics don't do what they thought they that they did, right? They don't reseed your gut. They don't repopulate the gut. They don't give you more good bacteria. But when you're taking them, when they're in transit, they do help to do many things, including modulate the immune system. So it makes sense to ramp these things up before you travel. Um, you could take them in kind of like higher doses a few days before your travel, take them throughout the travel and, um, like, you know, a few days after you get home to just support your overall immunity. I'm not going to throw out dosing, uh, recommendations for obvious reasons, but, um, that would be something to think about. And then what I'm also, when I'm on my plane, I 
on my plane, my private jet, my PJ just whizzing around in the air. Um, that is 20, 30 goals, I think. So when I'm on a plane, I will try to remember to bring either on guard or thieves or, um, you know, depending on what side of the essential oils fence you're on. If you do doTERRA, it's on guard. If you do Young Living, it's thieves. If you do no name brand, you know, God bless your soul. Um, but I'll bring some in a spray bottle and spray down um, hand dress, the tray tables. I'll, you know, you spray it on my hands. Um, I'll bring oil in the bottle, rub a little bit on my low back. I'll kind of like rub it on my throat. I don't know if it does anything, but um, I do it. And then another product that I really like, if, if I feel like I'm starting to come down with something or like, you know, in the very beginning before you get sick, you almost get like a little tickle in your throat. I really like Biocidin throat spray. Um, and I just do a couple of pumps throughout the course of the day in my throat. And that seems to really um, be really effective. So that's another thing to consider. And then I also want to remind you guys, episode seven, we talked about natural cold and flu prevention. And then episode 36, we talked about natural cold and flu prevention with herbalist Amy McKelvey. So those are two awesome episodes that are rich with lots of good information. But something we didn't talk about on either of those shows, this is kind of new to me information, is glutathione for protecting against cold and flu viruses. And it would also be really good, I'll just throw this out here, for plane travel because you are exposed to a lot of toxic stuff on planes. I won't go into detail. Um, but the glutathione really, really helps to clear out uh, toxins from the body. So I'm going to kind of switch gears and move more into vi um, virus protection. But glutathione, I, I would definitely take that for airplane travel, no doubt. If you have been listening to the show for a minute, you've heard me talk about glutathione. Um, it's one of my favorites. Sometimes I even say it like this, glutathione, because I think it's so awesome. Um, I just really love it so much, but I don't think I've ever gone into like great detail about why I love it. So I'm going to do that today, but here's the deal. The most common, let's talk about like the cold and flu thing, because I know it's a big, 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 big thing for a lot of people. Again, go back and listen to those two other episodes. This isn't a comprehensive list of all the things to do, but understand that most causes of the common cold are rhinovirus or coronavirus, right? But it can actually be caused by more than 200 different types of viruses. And that's why it's so hard for the body to build up resistance against the common cold. That's why you can come down with the common cold every year or even several times a year and why there's no vaccine for it. It's just hard to pin down. And it's a pretty similar case for the flu, um, which can be caused by influenza virus A, B, or C and their subtypes and, um, or strains. Also, on top of that, influenza can mutate, so it makes it harder to create specific treatments for it. Um, so it's one of the reasons that we run into, like how, why it's so hard to, to keep these things at bay. So you want to do the obvious stuff if you're trying to prevent this. Maintain immune function through all the things that I just discussed, right, and all the things I discussed in those two episodes. Make sure you're washing your hands, right? all the time and also avoid contact with sick people, right? It's like some pretty basic um, common sense stuff. But 
if you've been exposed or you're starting to get symptoms, there are certain supplements that can support the immune system and stop the virus from replicating while also reducing your symptoms. And hey, guess what? Glutathione is one of those supplements. So let's spotlight glutathione. It is the body's main endogenous antioxidant. So that means we make it ourselves. Endogenous means inside, exogenous means outside. Um, it's ubiquitous in the body and it plays many significant roles. Like I'm not even gonna be able to tell you all the roles that it plays because there's so many. Um, the main mechanism of antioxidant defense is against reactive oxygen species or ROS. You might have um, heard of those before. It basically fights oxidative stress. Um, and I've talked a lot already about its role in the body's detoxification process, but just understand that it is really important for detox. And it also modulates the immune system, which is the reason that I take it every day. And I even travel with it. My supplement has to be... Um, it has to be refrigerated, so it's kind of a pain in the ass to travel with, but it comes with me just because I'm off my game for traveling, you know, and I'm uh, maybe drinking a little bit more. I need that extra detox support and that extra immune support. Um, other things that it can do, uh, DNA and protein synthesis, cell proliferation, apoptosis, uh, epigenetic mechanisms, so it can turn genes on and off, free radical scavenging, um, dealing with getting xenobiotics out of the body, um, biotransformation. So that's just like more liver pathway detox stuff. So it's a, it's a pretty big deal. And your body has the ability to make it, like I said, and it can also recycle it, which is pretty cool. But just because it can do that does not mean that there's this endless supply of glutathione. There's not just this like, well, you can always tap into. There are certain things like oxidative stress, dietary stress, environmental factors, having a high toxic load, all of these things can tax the body's stores and challenge your own production to keep up with physio physiological need. So basically, the demand for glutathione is just too high for our bodies to keep up with sometimes. And, and that whole idea, and I'm sure you've heard this before, like all you need in order to detox is a liver and kidneys. Cool, maybe like 200 years ago, but definitely not in modern day 2019. It's just not true because the toxic burden of modern life is so high. Um, and there could be other underlying reasons for lower glutathione levels, like poor nutrition and chronic stress, because we know chronic stress just like burns through everything. Um, there are many chronic disease states that are associated with lower glutathione levels. And so potentially increasing glutathione levels can help to prevent or even mitigate the progression of these disease states, things like age-related disorders, Alzheimer's disease, cancer, chronic liver disease, cognitive impairment, cystic fibrosis, diabetes, HIV AIDS, hypertension, infertility for both men and women, lupus, um, and I will also throw in there some other autoimmune diseases, mental health disorders, multiple, uh, multiple sclerosis, <laughs> neurodegenerative disorders, Parkinson's, and colitis. So quite a few things uh, that we need glutathione for. And then to circle back around, the reason that I, I brought this into today's show is 
Um, there's a lot of like really robust science. I was going to start to unpack it, but I just felt like it was like going to be a little bit too dense and, and quite frankly, boring. So the takeaway message here is that glutathione supplementation can serve as um, a really good support to help the body combat viral infections specifically. And the flu and cold viruses um, are viruses. So it would make sense to work this into your rotation. Um, and to overcome deficits or just to maintain robust glutathione levels, it can be taken orally in a few different forms. Reduced glutathione, liposomal, or acetylated are all common forms. It is pretty notoriously hard to absorb because the glutathione molecule is unstable. So uh, the liposomal form and the acetylated form are are usually the, the best because they protect that unstable molecule so it can get to target tissues. Um, you wanna look for, Jaro makes one that's called S-acetylglutathione, that's pretty decent. That's the most affordable option. Um, the two or the three that I like, one is from Apex. That's the one that I take. It's called trisomal glutathione. That's the one I take every day. Another really good one is from Quicksilver. So that's another liposomal formula. And then the Seeking Health brand that I was talking about earlier also makes a good one. So those are all things to look into. You could also consider taking N-acetylcysteine, which is also known as NAC, N-A-C. It's a precursor to glutathione, so it's not like taking glutathione exactly, but it gives your body the precursor to make its own glutathione. And that one is usually um, a little bit cheaper, less uh, so, yeah, less expensive. Um, it can be contraindicated in a couple different cases. One is if you have a stomach ulcer, so you wouldn't want to take it then. But there's also ways to increase glutathione levels through diet. One would be asparagus, uh, avocado, cucumbers, green beans, and spinach. Um, and also make sure you're working in those sulfur-rich veggies, but also being mindful of preparation. So sulfur-rich veg veggies, I'm talking about the broccoli, the cauliflower, the Brussels sprouts, the kales. Um, ideally, you're eating these raw or mildly steamed because that's gonna preserve the integrity of the sulfur compounds. What you can also do is add powdered mustard seed during the heating process in order to increase the sulfur content. Um, so those are two kind of like pro tips in order like to get the most from your produce. And then again, consider joining the carb compatibility project because you're gonna eat a ton of these veggies through the meal plans that I offer. And then there are also certain herbs and roots that could influence glutathione levels. Rosemary is one of them. I can never see rosemary spelled out without thinking about rosemary, heaven restores you in life. Um, that was weird. Anyway, that just like brought me back to another time. Okay, turmeric and curcumin. Milk thistle and ginkgo biloba can also influence glutathione levels in a positive way. So... So let's see, we're coming up on an hour. I was going to close out. Nah, let's, I'm going to hit this one more, one more thing. Um, healthy eating while traveling. I'm just going to go ahead and give you some like real quick tips. And here's the reason that I think this is important to talk about during this episode. A lot of people kind of mail it in while traveling and through the holidays. Cause you're like, um, like, I don't know. I just see a lot of people 
not really thinking about food ahead of time and just kind of like going from party to party or just kind of like leaning on grab and go food while they're traveling. And then they end up feeling like absolute junk right by the end. So from the moment they leave their house, they're just like eating whatever they can find. And hey, the things that you can find quick and dirty are usually not really great food options. So, but I think people just kind of like, we're like, ah, you know, I'm going to, it's the holidays. Why? I'm just going to just deal with this in January. Um, but that's like a really solid plan to feel like a dump truck. When I travel, and it doesn't matter if I'm traveling for vacation or for the holidays or whatever, um, I always put some prep and planning into the travel food. So these are the things that I do. When we're, when we have to eat on the fly, I look for Whole Foods, their hot bar. So like if there's, I always like map out where Whole Foods is um, and I will like get extra. So I'll like get a bunch of stuff from the, the, the salad bar to keep for later. Chipotle always has really good options. If we're going out to eat, I tend to lean towards seafood restaurants so I can stock up on really nutrient dense foods like mussels and oysters if that's available. Um, always focus on protein and greens and fat, right? So if I'm going out to eat, I want a protein and I want some greens and I need some fat and that's going to just be like my roadmap to success. Um, I always scout out restaurants ahead of time. I never leave anything to chance and call ahead just to make sure if their menu doesn't exclusive, like ex explicitly say gluten-free, I will call them to ask them if they have gluten-free options because that's really important to me because I can get pretty sick if I get uh, exposed. And then I always take my gluten enzymes with me. I take Apex. Um, there's a few different ones. Houston Enzymes makes a really good one. I've talked about this on the show before and definitely in my Instagram, but um, anytime I eat out at a restaurant, I'm always taking those gluten enzymes just to kind of give myself some extra protection. Something else that we did a couple of years ago, we invested in a Yeti cooler, which, and it was just because we were doing a lot of traveling and um, camping that summer, but it has turned out to be so awesome. So this summer, I went to my brother's wedding in the Cape and we had a hotel and the hotel didn't have a mini mini fridge. So that's another thing you can call ahead and make see if the hotel you're staying at has a mini fridge and you can just stock it up with all the goodness. They didn't. So we actually brought in the cooler uh, because it keeps things cold for like, I don't know, five days or something crazy. And we just brought a ton of fresh food from home, you know, like, um, hard boiled eggs and lunch meats and lots of fruit and even some veggies. Um, I, I'll make a kale salad because it's so, I feel like it's just really hard to get veggies when you're traveling, but kale is so fibrous. It really holds up like for a couple of days. So you can make a kale salad ahead of time and then eat that for lunch while you're traveling. Um, I also bring a greens powder just because again, it's harder to get in veggies and greens throughout the holidays when you're traveling. There's usually a lot of sweets, you know, sugars, a lot of refined carbs. Um, so that's one of my hacks. Um, I'll pack kale chips, other things that we pack up, uh, cans of tuna, jerky, peanut butter, almond butter, rice cakes, avocados. Um, if you put them in like a glass Tupperware, they can, they don't get as banged up. And that's such a good snack. 
to eat on the fly. Um, you can bring like mini bo bottles of olive oil and salt. That way you always have something to dress your stuff with at a restaurant. And then I obviously always travel with dark chocolate. I'm so weird. I always need dark, dark chocolate after supper. So I, I always travel with it. Like literally 100% of the time I always travel with my dark chocolate. Anyway, that's all I have to say about that, you guys. I hope you all have a wonderful holiday season and I will catch back up with you in 2020. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Functional Nutrition Podcast. If you'd like to submit a question to the show, fill out the contact form at erinholthealth.com. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review in iTunes. Take care of you 